Government is everywhere, personally, nationally, globally, and heavenly. Welcome to Are You Real Government, the premier media outlet where we discuss what's going on around the world and how to release God's governance, the kingdom, into it. Each week, we'll be equipping you with kingdom understanding and giving you the inside track to government leaders around the globe. Now get ready to get real about government with Are You Real Government? What in the world is going on? And more importantly, what in your world is going on? This is Dub Alexander, spiritual advisor to the influential and your host of Are You Real Government? On today's episode, I'm excited to welcome Matt Gonzalez to the program. This guy, he is a prophet. He is being so impactful in our nation in creating prophetic companies, prophetic culture, helping people step into the understanding of what a prophet is and how a prophet moves. And I just know that what he is a part of in bringing and unlocking, accelerating the prophetic in our nation is going to be hugely impactful in seeing the kingdom advance. So Matt, I'm excited that you are here with us today. Hey, Dell, I'm so honored to be here. I'm really excited about this podcast. Heck yeah, bro. We're going to have a good time. So let's start with who Matt Gonzalez is as an individual and a family man. Well, you know, I like to say my, my highest priority is father and husband. That's, that's who I am. I'm a husband, I'm a father, and that's my, my biggest priority. And uh, I'm a lover. I love people. I have a passion for people, love people. And uh, over the years, I, I think uh, that wasn't always the case. But I know one of the ways that the Lord perfects love in us is by challenging our heart with different people and connections and even people that hurt you or you disagree with. And so you learn to love everybody because it's really the perfection of your love. And so uh, I just, I love people. I love, I love hearing people's journey and story. And I can vouch for that, man, just getting to hang out with you in Vacaville, California for a little bit. And, you know, even when we, uh, we got to hang out on a personal level, you were bringing other people in, you know, and just making sure everybody around, you know, yeah. felt plugged into the conversation. You're expressing yep. value to people and uh, pulling them in, man. And I love that. That's such a, such a great uh, character trait. So, all right. So we'll tell the people a little bit about your background. How did you get from wherever you started to where you are right now? Well, you know, uh, I met the Lord in 1994. Uh, my father, uh, John Gonzalez, he stepped into a church and I always, always looked up to my father and um, he made a decision to fall out to Christ. It's only the second time in my life that I've ever seen my father cry was at an uh, altar response. And he, uh, the evangelist there named Donnie Moore uh, actually gave an invitation to receive Christ. So my father stand up, go to an altar. Me and my three brothers, we were so impacted by that decision that we followed after him. Come on. In uh, 1994, we made a, a family decision after 19 years of my mom praying for my father. And so I'm a result of a praying mom. Uh, yeah. On top of that, you know, I had an encounter. I got an invitation to go to uh, the call in D.C. in 2000. It was the first call they had in Washington, D.C. and was deeply impacted there. Benny Hinn got up and said he was going to release uh, an impartation from Catherine Coleman. And I stood up put my hands in the air, power God hit me. I fell out when I got up. I was no longer in Washington, D.C. I had what the Bible calls an open vision when I was uh, standing on a college campus and I was watching revival happen and the college campus happened to be San Joaquin Delta College in Stockton, California, where I was at. The Lord spoke to me clearly. I want you to start a movement to impact college students. Uh, I wanted nothing to do with college students because at the time I was working with youth and college students intimidated me. 
you know, uh, didn't uh, have a college degree. So I'm like, Lord, what am I going to be able to say and do to these college students that's going to attract them and, and, and really see the impact of what I was seeing in this vision? And uh, long story short, uh, it was in 2001, the Lord said, uh, when you go onto the campus, you're going to meet a man of God who's been praying for you and is going to help you to start a movement on campus. I met with the student's activity director. He said, uh, we want something like this on the campus. He was actually a, um, a board member and deacon at his church and said, you're an answer to prayer. I'm going to help you. And he set up our first campus meeting in uh, 2001. And our first campus meeting happened to be on September 11th, the day after September 11th, 2001. And wow. so with that tragic event, we had 15 students show up in this small room and um, we, half of them gave their life to Christ the next week at double. And before, you know, within the first month, we had a hundred students who had radically got uh, received Christ and we're seeing just a massive move of God. So that began our, our, our launch into ministry. Me and my wife, Desiree, at the time, she was just my uh, girlfriend at the time. And uh, we started a campus movement that lasted uh, for about 10 years. So we did campus ministry for 10 years. Uh, eight of those years were on San Joaquin Delta College and uh, some at University of Pacific in Stockton, California. That's where I was born and raised. And then we oversaw a work uh, through a small little um, uh, ministry called Jesus Culture. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> in Sacramento, uh, partnering with Banning Leapshire and overseeing a campus work at UC Berkeley. Yeah. And uh, then while we were there, the Lord spoke to us that, uh, to plant a church in Stockton, California. And so we planted a church. Uh, before we actually planted a church, we planted a supernatural school ministry, which came out of a discipleship program, which we started on the campus. And uh, so we gave birth to a supernatural school ministry training and discipling the future leaders. And then we started a church, which we did for 10 years. And just two years ago, the Lord spoke to us to hand it over and that we were going to move to Vacaville, California, to partner with some of our friends at the Mission Church and that's kind of in a nutshell. There's more too. There's more details, but in a nutshell, that's kind of our journey. It just uh, started on the college campus. Um, then we planted a church and I've done a lot of itinerant ministry, uh, prophetic training over the years. It's really my heart. So, yeah, man. Anybody that knows me knows that government makes me tick. And so, even just hearing your story, man, that, that you got hit in Washington, D.C., yep. you were commissioned in the capital yep. of our nation to yep. go and impact the 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 college age of our nation and the universities and so you know that jacks me up man i'm super <laughs> i'm loving that man and uh you know that's the that's the whole thing about the kingdom is that the kingdom is governmental in nature jesus didn't bring a religion he brought a government come on so yep. when you plug into that governmental authority there's nothing that can stop you you know you're, you're walking not just in power but you're walking in authority yep. and and that's unstoppable so i love that part of your story and uh, so let's talk a little bit about these different campuses you were at. What were some of the main differences that you encountered between these different campuses as you worked with them? I'm always curious as to what do you have to tweak? What's different in the spirit over these different regions, et cetera? You know, I'm fully convinced. I'm going to read a scripture, and this is kind of what I learned in my years of campus ministry. Ephesians 2.2 says, In which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that's now working the sons of disobedience. We see here that Satan's called the prince of the controlling of the air. Yeah. Uh, and I'm convinced that every college, um, every college and every college city has a ruling principality that stands over the educational realm 
to control the airwaves of what's going out and what's being portrayed on the campus. And so if you could begin to affect the airwaves, uh, control the airwaves, control uh, the things that are affecting the mindsets that are being developed in, uh, on the campus, uh, you'll be able to change the core values of the leaders that are being raised up and sent out of the campus. Come and on. so I believe the way you discover that's through prayer because every campus has keys to it. Yeah. Every, every campus has keys to unlock that campus. And many times what I've seen over the years is we'll make the mistake as campus ministries or ministers to try to copy a formula or a pattern of, of what's working on another campus but what's working on another campus is not necessarily going to work on that campus because it's a different culture. It's a different keys, different students. Yeah. And uh, I like to see it this way. You can usually tell the divine purpose of a college campus by the things that are being attacked or that the enemy is attacking on a college campus. Because um, every campus and educational institute has what I like to say a, um, a divine purpose. Come on. Uh, there's a reason for that campus. There's a, there's a divine purpose that they're supposed to release uh, into the kingdom uh, that helps uh, bring a part of the kingdom that is not being expressed on the earth. And so uh, I think what, what begins to happen is we have to begin to get God's heart and go, okay, Lord, what, what was your divine purpose for this campus, for this college institution? And as we begin to get that, we do a lot of prayer walks. I love prayer walking because you get the, it's really listening, prayer, hearing God's heart for the campus. And so I see all that to say that I believe uh, the differences that we've discovered is that God has a heart and purpose that is different for every campus. Come on. And so we have to be able to get rid of our formulas and, um, and just can, can approach uh, can approaches that we've maybe uh, taken on where we've seen some of the success of other campuses, ministries. Oh, you know, they're doing this over here. This is amazing. Well, well it may not work for our campus. Like the campus we started at San Joaquin Delta College, it was, uh, it was known uh, for some crime. There was a lot of suicides that recently happened. Crime was up and it was really a, a big, um, there was a big uh, Wicca, uh, really Wicca religion and a lot of students were getting into that. So automatically I kind of begin to get insight that, okay, this is going to be, there's going to be a need, a demonstration of God's love and power. Yeah. You know, this is what's going to need to happen. And the other thing I noticed for Delta college is that they had a really strong uh, athletic um, program. And so some of the keys to that uh, college was actually influencing the uh, sports arena. So I started a chaplain program for the athletes. And because of the chaplain program, we began to see automatic influence of the campus because we were seeing key influential students who discovered Christ and now we're telling people about Jesus. So, I mean, I think that's pretty much the difference is just learning the ebb and flow of that campus and finding the keys that will unlock that campus. And that key could be a person, or it could be a ruling uh, principle thought. It could be many different things. I think we need to find God's heart for that campus. And, and then also begin, when you find God's heart, develop a culture that begins to impact and transform the culture of that campus.
Come on, bro. You're dropping so much gold in that. Sorry. In that whole rundown. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. No, don't apologize. That was awesome. I get ex- I get excited, <laughs> and so sometimes I'm like, I just go for it and keep going. Yeah, bro. I love what you're saying. You know, formula. That's a form of law. And yep. so we're looking for a list of rules. If we do this, God, then will you move? And yep. it's, it's the same thing that man's always struggled with, you know, and it's all about relationship <laughs> and identity. What you're yep. saying is don't look for a form of law for you to yep. do something to succeed. Go after that relationship with God. Let him yep. breathe into you the identity of that organization. Yep. I say it all the time on this podcast. When I see a person, I see a nation. When I see a nation, yep. I see a person. And it's the same thing with a campus. When you see a specific university, you should see yep. it just as a person and there's a design and a purpose for that. And it's like a treasure hunt to yep. find those keys, pop that open and get after it, man. I love that. You know, I, I would even say this. If you study the history of how college campuses were found, they were found as institutes by God Come on. during times of revival. And so there was always a divine purpose for education and education has become a broken system. So when we get back on the educational grounds and in the college, we begin to discover what's the broken system of this campus that needs to be refixed for the redemptive purpose so that we would see the fullness of the kingdom release on the earth through this campus. You're speaking my language, man. Come on. <laughs> I love this. Come on. Come on. So what do you know about campus ministry now? And I know that, that right now you're, you're even transitioning out of campus ministry into this whole prophetic thing, which we're totally yeah. going to get to in a minute. But I know that even now God has on your life, you ruled as a king for so long in campus ministry that you've yeah. now been promoted to a father and you have yeah. the ability to equip other kings that are now being called into the campuses from a fatherly perspective. So yeah. I honor you for that and I celebrate that. Uh, so let's say, you know, we got someone out there that's listening, that's thinking about starting a campus ministry. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you were starting out? In order to see a move of God transferable, you have to have the language that creates the culture in the hearts of those you're leading. If not, they look to you as the only model that can do it. And wow. so when you see a move of God on campus, if you don't have the language that creates the culture, you won't be able to impart it in such a way that empowers those who you are leading to take it to the next level. They look at, to you as the man of God syndrome or the hero and the expectations put on you rather than it become transferable. So you need language to create culture. Come on, man. That's so good. The value of verbal engineering. <laughs> so is, is any of that out there? Have you put out any, uh, any uh, like training on that specifically or? You know, it's actually on something that we're, we're about to do where our heart is to do that. I think we've taken, uh, we've learned a lot of things over the years and some of the best lessons you learn is how not to do things. And so I think some of that in, in the experience of what we've seen over the years, we want to put something together and uh, it, we have it. Um, I have the thoughts and uh, the structure together. We're just waiting to be able to put this together, either an online course. I'm doing it on a discipleship mentor level, but I yeah. want to do something where we can see it kind of explode to others who are having this desire to start something. And yeah. so uh, I guess the question would be, yes, we're taking those steps towards that. <laughs> oh, wow, man, get it, bro. 
All right, so let's, let's take a little shift from the campus focus into the prophetic focus. Yes. And you and I have had a conversation <clears throat> just about what is the difference between someone moving in the prophetic and someone being a prophet yep. and what that means. So just throw some, uh, some working definitions out there for our listeners as to what all that means. Well, according to Ephesians 4, you know, we see the, the offices that Christ left, you know, uh, the fivefold people called the fivefold ministry, you know, and a prophet is part of that fivefold grace to the church to equip the church for the work of service. So a prophet in, in detail is not necessarily somebody who can just prophesy because the gift of prophecy is available to all. That's why word of God says you can all prophesy one by one. It's available to all. I would say the office of a prophet, the actual, one of the ruling uh, principles, I like to say, of a prophet that finds a prophet and you can, uh, you know, you, you know you're actually called to that office is, uh, it's not the, it's, is the ability to be able to equip others to prophesy. So it doesn't necessarily mean you are the best at prophesying. It means you have a grace to equip others to prophesy. So when people get around you and get around that prophetic atmosphere and grace that you carry, people begin to hear God's voice and prophesy like never before. And especially in the midst of your prayer, it's almost like you carry this umbrella of grace that you carry that allows others to come into a prophetic flow that they did not come into before they met you. And so, and then you're able to equip them on how to do that. And that's a, that's a, that, that really goes across the board for all the fivefold. It's, it's an equipping grace. You are a gift to the body of Christ. And so we're a gift. We, we equip people for, for the work of service. And so that's really, I like to say, a defining mark of a prophet, you know, and it really helps kind of separate, like, I don't necessarily need to call myself a prophet. My fruit's going to speak for me. True that. And so if I'm able to, if people are able to get equipped and they get around me, that's going to be a defining fruit of uh, my office, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> that's good, man. I, I've noticed uh, the woman that taught me, you know, really unlocked the prophetic in my life is a lady named Dr. Tina Hay. Uh, she's been on this podcast before. And even to this day, man, like I, I feel like I'm pretty proficient in the prophetic, but even to this day when I'm around her, I'm at a whole nother level, man. Is <laughs> that umbrella thing you're talking about. Yes. Yep. yep. And, uh, you know, the original Bill Johnson here in Amarillo, <laughs> he's Come an awesome on. prophetic trainer. And it's funny. I've heard him say before, you know, hey, I know you can prophesy when you're around me. We just got to make sure that you're able to prophesy when I'm not around. <laughs> Come on. Yes. Come on. So funny, man. That. But it's true. It's true, yeah. man. So good. So I actually met you and your buddy, Brian Orm, who was just on this podcast two weeks ago uh, when you were teaching the intermediate prophetic session at the mission in Vacaville, which was super legit, by the way. Oh, Greatly enjoyed that. So what has your personal journey into the prophetic been from that moment that, that you got saved following your dad to receiving the commissioning into the campus at DC to now you're a part of of no exaggeration, the elite prophetic training organization, as far as I'm aware of in the world, most certainly in our nation. And so what's that journey been like, man? Well, you know, it started that same day that I received Christ. There was an evangelist there who, who moved into prophetic Donnie Moore. And uh, the morning before the night meeting, he gave a specific word of knowledge for my father. He said, there's a man here. You grew up Catholic. You were in 
a truck accident where you severely hurt your back and you should have died. And there's so many details. And that was my father. I knew that was my father. And so I'm under the impression, who told him we were going to be here? Like, is this a setup? And my dad didn't respond because this was the first time we've ever were exposed through uh, a gift of a spirit in that capacity. But it left such a mark on my father that he said, hey, we're going back to the service that night to hear this guy again. And so my entry into the kingdom was through the prophetic because it left such a mark on my father. Well, weeks later, I had a, a, a lady who was a real head intercessor at our church and the prayer ministry come up and give me a prophetic word, specifically a word of knowledge about my life. And I remember at that moment, I felt so known by God. It was like God went from being uh, the Godfather, someone who sits on the throne and is so distant to that moment being a personal God through that one encounter. And so I felt so known by God that at that moment, I said, Lord, what this lady did to me, I want to do for others. And if you allow me to do what she did, I will seek this out the rest of the days of my life because I want people to feel this. I want them to feel known by God. And so that moment was what launched me into the prophetic, that I wanted people to have a heart connection with God and feel so known by God through, uh, through the prophetic, through the word of knowledge, that it would leave such an impact in their life as it did to mine. And so it began this, this journey. And uh, about a year later after that encounter, uh, the uh, same lady came up to me and said, Lord is calling you to be a prophet like Jeremiah to the nations. And at that time, I had no grit for that. Uh, you know, we, I like to say this, we were part of a nonprofit organization. And so <laughs> we, uh, we, we didn't have any grit for a prophet, what a prophet was. So I didn't know what that was. And so uh, later I began to understand what, what that office was. And so that began the calling. And uh, there's a difference between the calling and the commissioning. I received the calling when I was about 17 years old, but the commissioning didn't come to years later. There was just that developing, that training, that process. And so it began the prophetic journey for me of wanting to see people to connect with God's heart in such an extent that God becomes personal to them. He doesn't because he's not this angry God sitting on the throne that wants to just rule over him, but he becomes very personal because he cares about the personal details about your life. And that began my prophetic journey. Come on, man. That's so good. So you've mentioned in your story a couple of times so far, a word of knowledge and the specific session that you taught at the conference I was just at was activating people in word of knowledge. But I know that even in prophetic streams, there's still some confusion as to what is a prophetic word, what's a word of wisdom, what's a word of knowledge, et cetera. So lay out for us exactly what the word of knowledge is and how can people, even just in their homes, you know, begin to activate stepping into that gift? Because I love what you're bringing out, that the fruit of a word of knowledge is that people step into the revelation that God knows them. Yes. And that opens the door for a heart connection. So hit that for us. Well, we, we know... There's a lot out there about the gift of prophecy. So we're talking about 1 Corinthians 12, spiritual gifts. There's a lot out there about the gift of prophecy. We know prophecy is futuristic in nature. It speaks to a person's future. And uh, the word of knowledge is not futuristic. It actually, if you want to define the word of knowledge according to scripture, it's actually supernatural facts about a person's life, 
either past or present. So it's either, uh, it's divine insight. It really is divine insight of facts about a person's life, situation, or condition that you could have only known by the Spirit of God. And so words of knowledge deal in people's past and present, where the gift of prophecy is always dealing in somebody's future. And so sometimes, and the reason I love the word of knowledge gift, because it's a breaker gift. And what I mean by that is many time a pre-believer, I call them pre-believers. I don't like calling them unbelievers. Hey, I like that. A, a pre-believer, it's hard for them to believe in a future that, in, in, a, in, a, in a gift of prophecy about their future when it's first hard for them to even believe in a God that's good. So how can they believe about a good future when they don't know about this good God? And so what a word of knowledge does, it actually serves as a foundation gift to open their heart. Like, hey, God knows you. He knows details about your life. There's no way I could have known this outside the spirit of God. And so I like to say it this way. The word of knowledge is, a, um, is the doorway for the gift of prophecy, and especially for pre-believers, because it's going to be hard for them to believe in a future or a, a, you know, a prophecy about their life unless they first have their hearts open to some details about their life that there's no way that person could have known that. Like, I get it so many times. Are you psychic? No. And, and that frustrates me because that makes me think like, okay, we, our culture's more used to supernatural coming through a psychic than through a man or woman of God. And yeah. I'm convinced I'm going to change that. I'm going to change that in our generation. And there's others out there that I believe that want to change that, that, that the day's going to come where they're no longer going to ask you, are you psychic? But they're going to say, are you a Christian? Because this is now the norm. <laughs> Come on, bro. That this is the norm. That it's not that the psychics have the norm. It's that you're a believer who hears Christ and hears God, and this is the norm. And I believe we're going to change. It. We're going to change that. So good, man. Let that be so. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So the word of knowledge really just deals with, uh, you know, supernatural facts. Uh, just simply, I would like to say it that way. Sip, uh, supernatural facts downloaded. Um, into our spirit by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I say it this way, the gift of prophecy reveals the heart of God, but words of knowledge reveals the mind of Christ. And so um, you understand God's heart through prophecy, but you begin to understand God's mind through the word of knowledge. Because uh, scripture says that in him is all knowledge. So we have access to all knowledge in him. So, yeah. and we're hidden in him. And so we already have access to all knowledge. That includes uh, uh, current knowledge and past knowledge. So one of the ways you can activate the gift of word of knowledge is it, it's activated relationally because love is relationally. It talks about love. And so one of the ways I've seen it grow in my life is by asking God questions about people's lives or situation or problem. If I'm yeah. going to get God's knowledge, then I'm going to ask him for him. I'm going to ask him for it. Yeah. So I ask him, okay, Lord, what do you think about this? Or what do you think about this person? Uh, here's a problem. What's your insight on that? And as you begin to ask God questions, you begin to get his knowledge, but you also begin to give his wisdom, which opens up our heart for the gift of wisdom too. Come on. And so it's, it's really, if he said that our way into the kingdom needs to be childlike, then the ways of the kingdom are really simple. We make them difficult. Uh -huh. And so I believe it's really simple. Begin to ask God questions 
and ask him, desire words of knowledge. Lord, give me insight, facts about a person's life or situation and begin to, you know, just do a lot of listening prayer. That's awesome, man. So good. So have you had any, um, let's, let's take another shift into yep. just the, the prophetic in government specifically. Have you had any uh, interaction with the government mountain on any level yet in the prophetic? I know that, I mean, that word over your life is you are a prophet to the nations. And yeah. obviously you're, you're, you move powerfully in the evangelistic gift and as people are nations, you know, but yeah. when it comes to, to governments and nations, um, what's your story there? You know, I actually have words about, um, I carry word, prophetic words that I've gotten received from some high level prophets about uh, the government mountain and have an influence. And so we have, yes, we have, we've seen that. I believe that's still a level that we are discovering, but we have seen uh, prophetic interactions with the government mountain. We had a, a situation happen in Romania. So we, uh, when we did campus ministry, we always uh, expose college students to the needs of the nation. So we take them on, on you know, trips overseas. And uh, what we wanted to do is not just take students on a trip to just meet a need, but begin to build culture in a city. And so we would we wouldn't do it uh, mission trips, just do mission trips every year at a different place. We adopted a city for five to seven years and would target that city with students to help create culture. And so what happened was we did it in a city called Aradia, Romania. And we just happened to do a, a we had a miracle uh, healing conference we did. And there was this lady who came up for prayer. It was just so many people hungry. She came up, stood in front of me. She was missing an eyeball. She had uh, received cancer, got it removed, and it was missing an eyeball. And there was just a hole in her eye. And I got to just be really transparent because I, I, that's just me. I love being transparent. I had no faith to see her uh, get healed. She actually came, was pulling on the gift of faith to, uh, she, wanted, uh, she wanted to see again, but she had no eyeball. And yeah. so I, I didn't know how this was going to happen. So I just prayed a prayer. I was like, Lord, I'm going to move from my faith and, and uh, just prayed. I prayed a prayer and, and just released the kingdom of heaven. And I closed my eyes because I didn't want to see her response because I'm just like, <laughs> Lord, I, you know, this is, I have, I have faith for cancer, but this is a new, this is a creative miracle realm, Lord. I, I'm, I'm still learning. I was younger in the faith. And so we prayed, opened my eyes. When I opened my eyes, it scared the heck out of me. She started screaming. She got a brand new eyeball in her eye socket that just freaked us all out. I mean, I screamed like a girl. Like, I, it, 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 she was screaming. I was screaming because I'm like, okay, now this is another level, Lord. This is crazy. Yeah. But what happened, the testimony spread out where business leaders started inviting us into their homes to pray for their sick. Yeah. Well, one of the businesses that we prayed for, we prayed for a man who had severe back injury. He told he gets healed. His brother was the president, which would be the governor uh, of the actual region we were in. Mm-hmm. So it's our last day. We're about to leave back home and we get a call from the president saying he'd like to meet with us. And so I'm like, okay, yeah, let's, you know, let's go. I was... I was not dressed right. I was not properly ready. We go, here comes this, uh, the, these uh, black series of black cars and we're in this office and it's just, it's, 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 it's intense. And I'm like, Lord, what am I doing here? 
<laughs> like, what are we doing here? So it, it was, it was a learning experience. Well, we get in there and uh, he begins to tell us who his brother is. And we're just making con, uh, you know, just uh, connected with his heart. And he's just asking us about our trip and everything. And while I'm looking at him, I see a newspaper on the newspaper. I see European Un union releasing funds for the waterways. I see this and I go, Lord, what is this? He goes, this is his dream. Tell him his dream is going to be released to him and the European Union is going to release the funds to fund his dream. So I tell him this, you know, I, I use language. I didn't tell him the whole encounter as how I received it because I don't know where he is at. But I basically said, hey, uh, the Lord said you have a dream on your heart to restore the waterways here in Aradia. The European Union is going to release the funds to you to fund your dream. And he looks at me with this political look like, who told you? Right. Like, like, and it kind of changed the atmosphere because he's like, okay, someone told you that. And so I didn't say anything. We prayed for him. His wife had a headache. She got healed. And that was kind of the end of our, our encounter. Well, it was like a week later, I get a call from the missionary and it was, uh, he actually said the actual newspaper that came out, came out with the exact word you were given days earlier. And it came to pass. So what happened, that encounter opened up the governor's heart that we began to have meetings with him. And so we went back and, and it was really, really, began to really impact. And some stuff I can't share right now. You oh, know, absolutely. But uh, we've seen that even in our own city in Stockton, California. We're currently in Vacaville now, but in Stockton, California, we had words for the mayor and we've given them to the mayor. And the mayor got so impacted that he put us on a council uh, to do some some things in the city. Uh, we also saw in Africa, we went to Gambia, Africa, and we went to a uh, a village where the chief, which would be considered the mayor, uh, was a village that never heard the gospel. Wow. And uh, we went and so impacted the chief, who was the mayor of that, of that, of that um, little village, was so impacted that he had us do an outdoor meeting in the whole village, including himself, give their life to Christ. So we have we have seen some areas in the area of government, but one of the things I've learned about my over year, we've seen some other things that uh, with government is that um, you know we come to government as as kings who serve. Yes, and and I think whenever we come to government, uh, how do I say this? We have to break this poverty orphan mindset in Christianity that says when God opens a door for us for government, it's because we have to get something from them. And I believe many times that has closed the door for our influence of government because every time we give an opportunity, government officials look like, okay, what do they want from me? Mm, yeah. And it's really out of an orphan mindset that believes, okay, when God opens a door for government or what people are influential, it's because he wants to give me something. I'm convinced when he opens a door, it's not because he wants to give you something. It's because you have something to give. Come on. Absolutely. And so we have to shift our mindset because I believe it's costing us opportunities for influence because they're like, okay, they're from church. They just want something. They want something from their program. They want something from their ministry. They want something from me. When actually, I believe one of the ways we can affect government is what, just even those areas 
is that, you know, people in government, they have families. Yeah. They have needs. If we would begin to love some of their needs and really love them, they would see our heart and see God's heart. And then maybe we begin to have a platform to affect things at a higher level. Come on. And so, uh, you know, that's some of the things that we've learned over the years is, um, you know, um, I believe we have to break this lie. Uh, I'm convinced that wherever I go somewhere, it's because I'm carrying answers for their problems. Yes. God never puts me into a place because uh, of just need. It's more that I have solutions. We have to get away from this problem Christianity and begin to become solution oriented Christianity. It's like, all we do is see problems. No, we have solution to problems. We have the mind of Christ, which is the Google of heaven. We have insight to bring, uh, to, to, to heal broken systems, to begin to influence government to such an extent that we see broken systems healed. I wrote some things down over the years, just even just in my dialogue with the Lord, because uh, I really do have a, a, a heart for the government mountain to really see broken systems healed. Come on. And, and so I believe uh, for those who may be listening, they have a call into government, you know, preparation attracts opportunity. And so if you have a call to government, don't wait until God opens a door. You actually have to begin to steward that now and begin. So one of the things I, I've done over the years, I have a call to government. So I will look up government officials and begin to practice as if I have a word for them in prophesying. So when the doors open, the moment's not bigger than, uh, than my faith. Come on, bro. You know, that I have the faith to step into the moment and be prepared. Many times we complain because there's no opportunity. Well, you haven't created the door for opportunity to knock. And so you haven't prepared yourself for the moment. And you have to believe you're carrying something greater than what they're carrying. Because if you're not convinced that you're carrying an answer, their questions will stop you. Bro, this is gold, man. Come on. And so I, I feel like that's kind of the, the things that we have to prepare for those moments, especially those who are listening, who have a call to the government mountain. The Lord is, he's gave you that call and preparations, preparing you for the moment that when you step into the moment, fear is not the loudest voice. You belong in the room because he put you in the room because you have solutions to their problems. You have answers to their questions and that you belong in the room and you have to believe you belong in the room because if you don't, fear becomes the loudest voice. It, it will cut off the voice of heaven and for you to be able to bring solutions to their problems. I love what you said about becoming a door. You have to, you have to create the door in order for the opportunity to knock. And Jesus yes. said, I am the door. Yep. And then he said, we are as he is. It takes the pressure off of us having to have the solution yep. to simply, oh, I know God has the solution and I've prepared myself to be yep. the door through which that solution comes. Yep. Yep. It's so much easier, man. That's so and I good. believe one of the ways that God per one of the ways that God trains us for the government mountain, maybe you can speak into this, Dub, because I mean, you're going after this. I'm learning from you, bro. <laughs> it's so amazing to be able to have that heart connection. You just learn. I mean, when we sat down in that restaurant, you just gave so much gold. Oh, it man. just was amazing. <laughs> um, but uh, the only way to increase our thinking is by having someone provoking us. 
And I, I believe that's how he prepares us. So we'll have situations or people in our life that provoke us to get us to produce a cry that gets us to, because when, when there's, a, there's a deeper cry produced in us, it begins to bring us resources that we did not currently have. And so you see that with Hannah. Hannah was provoked by Paniah and produced a cry. And she had such a deep cry that it actually produced a different way of thinking. And she gave birth to an answer. And so I think sometimes what happens is, is we deny the circumstances or people around us that are provoking us when they're actually there as a uh, assignment, I believe, from heaven to get us to think outside the box. So that when we get into those situations where we're before government officials and there's problems that we've already been trained by the, prov the, the provocation to think outside the box that that when they ask a question that seems like a provoking, we've already been ready because now we're able to think outside the box and give answers uh, that surpass the provocation. If that yes. makes sense. Totally, man. It's good stuff. So one of the questions that I often ask my guests because one of my pet peeves is the, king, the word kingdom being thrown around and people don't have any understanding what it actually is the kingdom becoming a buzzword and yeah. becoming powerless when it's actually the most powerful thing on the planet. Yeah. So what is your definition of the kingdom? You know, the kingdom of God to me is the governing influence of our King. Come on. It's, it's the governing influence of our King um, impacting whatever we begin to touch and influence. You know, one of the, the, the most valuable parable that I love about the kingdom was that the kingdom's compared to leaven. So whatever leaven, yeast, whatever it begins to affect, it influences. And so to me, the kingdom is the governing influence of our king. And it's uh, impacting, um, how do I say this? It impacts whatever we touch. So basically the kingdom is a governing influence of, of God's will, purpose, and intent for that purpose, for that person, that place, that city, or that system that will lead to developing a culture that reflects his nature for others to be able to uh, be influenced by that nature and be able to uh, reflect the nature of our King. So what are some ways that you advance the kingdom on a daily basis in your everyday life? You know, I, I like to say it this way, the center of the kingdom is a King. And so um, it's a uh, kingdom is not an organization. Um, uh, and we have to understand that the kingdom is not an organization, but, uh, it's, I, I like to say it this way. Uh, the first institute that God ordained was family. Okay. We see it in scripture. Yes. And then Jesus comes and he does something. He teaches the gospel, of the kingdom, not the gospel of salvation. He didn't teach the gospel of salvation. Salvation was the entry point to the kingdom. He taught the gospel of the kingdom. Come on, bro. But what I love about Jesus is he was so strategic in the words and culture and language he used. He comes and he, he had, there, there were a lot of names he could have used to describe God, but he chose Father. Yeah. Because this kingdom is run as a family, not an organization. The kingdom of God is not an organization, it's an organism. It's a living organism that has to be able to influence. So it starts with understanding family. I believe the structure of the kingdom is family. When we understand family, we will understand the structure and government system of 
uh, or government structure of the kingdom. So what I like to say, the way I advance the kingdom daily is I, it starts with my family. Come on. I have to start with my family. If I don't start with my family, then what happens, I lose the ability to create heart connections with people. Because if I can't create a heart connections with the one that I love and are called to connect with, then what happens, I'll begin to release the kingdom around me through an organization rather than a heart connection. And so I, I start with my family. And so I, we, we, my wife, we purposely have tried to create a supernatural kingdom culture in our house for our girls to understand who God is, that he's, he's, he's the king, you know? And so he's really, I I love bragging on my, my kids. I love, I love my girls and my son. And I have a daughter named Hayden who's eight years old. We have twin girls, Peyton and Riley are six. And, and because we build a culture, one of the things they've done now yesterday. So uh, it was on Saturday night, we get home from church and uh, they have this ladybug that died. And so they have this ladybug and they go, you know what? God's called us to raise dead things. This is what they're saying. Come on. And so they started praying for the ladybug with the intent that the ladybug was actually going to come alive because previously they had a, uh, they had another ladybug. This was a couple years ago they prayed for and it came back to life. So they actually have been, I mean, this is practicing. And so I'm not stopping it because I'm like, this is encouraging. I'm going to encourage this because I didn't tell them that this is something that has come in their heart. So they pray the next morning we get up. They're like, they woke us up because the ladybug's back alive. And so they've raised two ladybugs from the Come dead. Come on, bro. Come on. And That's it was awesome. them understanding the authority of the kingdom and resurrection life. And so if I can't do it at a family level, if I can't see it on the family level, yeah. then I'm not going to see it at any other level because I believe it starts with my family. My, if, if the king of our kingdom is recognized in New Testament scripture as father, then my responsibility to understanding the kingdom starts with my responsibility of being a father. Come on. And so I believe there's something there. There's, there's some gold there of understanding how to be a father uh, and even fathering your own kingdom that I believe it, it's, it begins to leak over into other places. And I've learned so much about the kingdom for my kids and just being a father and a husband. So good, man. So we were at a meeting together in which God released a commissioning of a new breed of prophetic evangelist. So as an expert, and I would even say as a forerunner in this field, could you bring a working definition to that phrase and a couple of examples so that we can all grasp this amazing concept? Yeah, you know, prophetic evangel, I love that concept. You know, prophetic evangel really is being spirit led by the Holy Spirit to know how to make a connection of God's heart to a pre-believer's heart. So rather than a method of evangelism being a canned approach or something uh, that is more of a shotgun approach, hoping to make a connection to break the veil for a person to come into an understanding of their need for Jesus, prophetic evangelism is more connecting a person's heart with God through divine insight and foresight. So it's being able to pick up what God is pointing out uh, or highlighting about the person's life that will make a personal connection with uh, 
with their heart, with a person that creates a revelatory flow that pierces uh, the veil of unbelief uh, to creating a place where God is now more personal. And uh, I like to use this illustration. What I've learned over the years is that much of evangelism these days is not necessarily telling people about Jesus, but it's rather cleaning up the misconception or messes that religion or Christians have left that have cut people's ears off to hear God. Oh man! And so one of the prophetic illustrations I'd like to get, this is, a, this is how I illustrate prophetic evangelism. So they come to arrest Jesus and Peter gets his sword and cuts off Malchias's ears. What does Jesus do? Jesus picks up the ears, puts it back on Malchias and he's healed. And I believe that is a, that it is a word picture of prophetic evangelism where religion, the sword of religion has cut off a generation's ears. Prophetic evangelism is putting the ears back on a generation so they can hear the voice of God again. Oh and so God. it's canning the can approach. It's actually making it personal through the gifts of the spirit to make a heart connection like the woman at the well. I love the woman at the well. That's, that's, that's my jam right there. That's my story. I love that, that story where, where Jesus was able to pick up something personal in her heart to the point where she began to ask questions. He can, the can approach. It wasn't, he didn't just use a, 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 you know, a shotgun approach. Sometimes in evangelism, we use a shotgun approach of trying to hope, just try a bunch of things, hoping that we'll hit somewhere where I would say prophetic evangelism is not a shotgun. It's a sniper rifle. It's being able to get to the point of a person's heart that so connects them with God through a demonstration of the gifts of the spirit that makes it personal and it pierces the, the, um, uh, the veil of unbelief. Wow. Say that statement again about restoring the ears so that people can hear God. Where religion has come and cut the ears off uh, through misconceptions, lies, and hurts, we're actually putting the world's ears back on to hear God again. Come and on, that's what bro. prophetic evangelism is. That's so good. And what I love about that is that it, the first revelation that people have of God is of a loving father. Yes. Um, I got led to the Lord when I was 11 by a friend and thank God. But uh, the style of approach was the first words out of his mouth were, Hey man, you ever heard about hell? That approach introduces you to angry God. It's like, Jesus yeah. save me from your dad, you know? And so what you're doing, just, man, I can't even imagine what our nation is going to look like when we have a generation of people whose first encounter was with yeah. loving father, not angry yeah. God. It's so good. Well, I just said this way. If I got to scare you into the kingdom, I got to keep scaring you to stay into the kingdom. Man. The method that I use up front for your birth is going to have to be the method I continue to use for your growth. God, come on, man. That's so good. So we had a we had an awesome conversation in California about what does kingdom evangelism look like to <laughs> not just bring the gospel of salvation to the individual, but the gospel of the kingdom to the environment around that individual so that it becomes an ecosystem that sustains and even propagates the expansion of the kingdom. Yeah. So let's go there, man. I love this because I really feel this is uh, where prophetic evangelism needs to go. And I love the concept of kingdom evangelism because uh, many times what we've seen over the years with prophetic evangelism, it's usually a set aside time where we do treasure hunts or we're, 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 we're taking groups out. I love that. 
but the kingdom has to become transferable where it becomes a lifestyle. So we have to move away from just us being able to just do prophetic evangelism in groups to how can I do it at my workplace, at my school? How can I do it where it's transferable and it's not just a uh, set aside time uh, during our, our ministry time of, of, of doing, you know, treasure hunts or prophetic evangelism booths. I'm all for that. I love those. Yeah. We oh. want to do that. But at the same time, it has to become a lifestyle. And so that's why I love kingdom evangelism because what I believe it's supposed to look like is if we truly have the mind of Christ, one of the quickest ways to influence is to solve a problem. Come on. You see it with Daniel, you see it with Joseph, you see it throughout the scriptures. If we truly have the mind of Christ and have access to his mind that has the ability to give answers to the problems of this world, then what, it, what did I like to see this way? Maybe kingdom evangelism looks like when I'm at my job, there's a problem there. Okay, I noticed the problem. I'm going to try to find a way to serve by bringing an answer to the problem. I'm going to, I'm going to begin to get God's heart and mind for that problem to bring an answer if I can actually begin to get his answer for the problem and it fixes the problem, I automatically have a stage set before me to be able to in now not only influence the problem, but now begin to influence their heart with the one who actually gave me the answers for their problems. Come on. And so I believe that is where we need to go is that we, we're fixing broken systems. We're answering we're, we're giving, we're not answering questions the world's not asking. We're actually beginning to answer questions that they're asking. And some of it is practical as like, hey, we have a problem here. We need it fixed. Yeah. And sometimes we're trying to, Kingdom Evangel looks, looks like we're trying to, uh, we're trying to tell them about this God where the most practical thing they have right now before them is a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. And so we're trying, so we're trying to put something on their grid that they don't even have a grid for right now, rather than let, Hey, let's come to their level and they have a problem. Let's help this organization, the structure, this let's help solve this. That gives us influence that automatically now we have a platform into their heart. So good, man. Yeah, you come in and, and you bring, even Jesus in the temptation, the enemy took him up to the highest point and showed him all the kingdoms of the world, right? And that's, that's the cosmos, yeah. that's the governing systems of authority yeah. over the world. And that's what he tempted him with, not with the souls, he tempted him with the systems. Yeah. Because if you fix the systems, you get the souls. Yeah. It's automatic. You can fix the souls and not get the systems. <laughs> And so what you're saying is bringing the good news of the gospel of the kingdom to the system, you fix yep. that and you automatically get the bonus of the souls. Yep. And that's multiplication. We, yep. we step out of addition into multiplication at that point. Yep. And I, I also feel like it enlarges our reach because now I think you begin to even see whole families come into the kingdom. Come on. You know, and once again, I think we've talked about it earlier is that, you know, we're, we're, salvation is the way into the kingdom, but the message was the kingdom. And yes. so many times we just make it about salvation. Yep. And so it, it's like, I like to say it this way. It's like, so I live in California. And so uh, we have something in Southern, we have a, a 
place called Disneyland in Southern California, which is very expensive. You have to take a second out your house just to take your family. And then you got to pay a bunch of money to drive them back all the way to LA. And what if I paid all that price? I paid for, for the gas. I paid for the ticket. We get there. We walk in, hand my ticket in to uh, uh, the ticket holder at Disneyland. I take my family. I hold them uh, next to me. And I go, hey, look, this is Disneyland, guys. This is awesome, right? And then we leave. <laughs> I mean, that would be ridiculous. That would just, that would, that would, that is the epitome of st stupidity right there. Paying that much price to get in just to say, hey, we're here. And that's what many times we do. We give people the ticket of salvation into the kingdom, but never teach them how to experience the kingdom. There's more to the kingdom. Go we don't on. just give them a ticket. Salvation is a ticket into the kingdom, but there's way more to experience. I'm not just going to pay a price to get into Disneyland just so my family and us can just say, hey, we've been there. Yeah. Right? And no. Then, and then try not to do anything wrong until you die once <laughs> you're inside the gate. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I believe it builds a survivor mentality where we have people who are waiting to be rescued. Like, I can't wait to get to heaven. You know, I, I'm convinced when I read the Gospels, I'm convinced God's mission wasn't to get us to heaven. It was to get heaven in us. Come on, I'm bro. convinced of that so that we can release heaven here on earth. Yes, there is a place in heaven. Uh, there's a place called heaven. We're, you know, we're going to get there today. Our, our, our salvation brings us into that. Yeah, that, that's a given. Yeah. But that's just the beginning. Absolutely. And we can't stop there. There's so much of the kingdom that has to be released and so much that we have to learn of the kingdom that yet we've just, I believe we've just, just even with all the great kingdom teaching we have right now, we've just scraped the surface. Come on. I so agree, man. So agree. So I get really passionate on this topic. I'm like, <laughs> bro, you and me both, man. That's why we click, man. Come on. <laughs> and it's uh, another thing I heard TD Jakes, the, the bish, man. Come I heard on. the bishop the other day say, God never made a single table. He made a tree. Ooh, so that's such that a picture good. of all of creation. You know, the, I'm so bad at pulling addresses sometimes. The scripture says that all of creation is groaning and waiting for the sons of God to be made Romans. manifest. Romans, yes. And I always used to think that creation was waiting to get to observe us become manifest. I don't think that's what it's saying. I think it's saying creation knows that it cannot become the fullness of what it was created to be until the sons and daughters of God step into the authority of who they are and call creation into the fullness of its identity. So when you expand that, that, that kingdom evangelism to that point, man, we are called to bring the gospel of the kingdom, not just to every individual, but to systems and not just to every system, but to all of creation. And we've got the good news of what Jesus meant for the original intent of the very earth. And we have the ability to pull it into that identity, man, we are, we, like you said, man, we're just getting started, but it's so well, exciting. That's my evangelistic heart. I want to oh, see yeah. people come to Christ. But even more than that, too, or just as equal, is seeing broken systems of creation. Come on, bro. Come in to the fullness of the good news. Yeah, man. You know, I feel like, and there's a, you know, there's a, there's a good possibility that I just haven't run into people that are, are, are walking out this type of revelation. But my current understanding is that this type of revelation is just now being poured out on the earth. And so I'm so excited 
uh, to see where we're at here in 10, 20 years, man. It's going to be incredible. <laughs> and I always say this, man. I always say, you know, we, we for generations, everybody has said, oh, this next generation coming up are the ones that are going to take us home, which always puts everything off into the future. Yeah. So I say we are the generation that's going to see this happen. Come on. And when our, our kids who are raised knowing nothing else hit that 1820 mark, like the type of reinforcement that they are going to be to what we're doing and the type of acceleration they are going to push into us is going to be incredible. That's good. I can't hang around people that, uh, you know, are all doom and gloom, man. Cause I got nothing but hope bro for our nation, for the world. Like, like you said, man, the leaven, the yeast is in the dough. And once yeast is in the dough, you can't get it out. Yep. (laughs) It's over. Right there it is. Oh my goodness. Mic drop right there. Shoot. That's good stuff, man. So where can people begin to follow you and get to glean from these things that you're processing and, and, and any teachings you have, where can people connect with you and gain access to any type of, of, um, any type of material that you're producing? Yeah, we have some materials that we do have right now. We're going to put them online here soon. Uh, you can go to our website, www.matthewgonzalez.com. Uh, I'm actually right now, our website's almost up, so it should be up within the next couple weeks. But there's some things you can uh, access there. Also, you can find us on social media. I post a lot on social media, thoughts and different uh, food for thoughts, different things. We have some uh, Facebook live videos me and my wife have done. Uh, activating kids in the supernatural has been one of them and, and how, to, uh, how to recognize and process a season of transition. And so we have some things that we've released up on uh, social media. You can follow me on Facebook, Instagram. We also have our YouTube channel and uh, social media handle is I Matt Gonzalez. That's I and Matt Gonzalez. And then our YouTube channel is uh, Matt and Des Gonzalez Gonzalez with the S not a Z. And so you can follow us on social media or check us out on our website. Awesome. And I'll put links to all that in the show notes so that people can, uh, can connect with you. So any last words, man? I guess I would say it this way. The Lord wants to accelerate wherever you're at in the process of your, of your journey with him. And one of the ways he begins to process or accelerate us in that journey is when we make it relational, begin to ask a lot of questions. This is about discovery, and he loves uh, taking us on the journey of discovery. And I, I would say, you know, uh, learn to ask God good questions. Come learn on. to ask God good questions. And one of the things I like to do every night before I go to bed is just begin to ask the Lord, what's on your heart? What's on your mind? And as I begin to do that, I feel like he begins to open up uh, his heart and mind to me. And it becomes, yeah. uh, it becomes a lasting impact on my heart. So just want to encourage those who are listening, hey, uh, everything, Peter says it this way, everything you need to live for God and uh, to live in this world, he's already given you through the knowledge of his son, Jesus. So, the, so our Christian walk is not necessarily trying to add something to it, but discovering what's already in us. And so just encourage people to begin to discover who's in you and what you have access to. So good, man. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Matt. I really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks, though. I appreciate it. I love what you guys are doing, and, and I feel so honored to be on this show. 
Absolutely. All right. So you guys can check the show notes to find different ways to connect with Matt Gonzalez. Make sure that you catch the original Are You Real Purpose show with John Fuller that comes out on Wednesdays. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, it's been Dub, it's been Kingdom, and it's been Real. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Are You Real Government? For in-depth resources, show notes, information on today's discussion, or to connect with your host personally, please visit areyoureal.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the other podcasts in the Are You Real family. Until next time, thanks for keeping it real with Are You Real Government?